0: This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEM. Welcome back everyone to the 100th episode of Sporting Max. It's a huge episode. I'm joined by two-time WNBA champion, a six-time WNBA champion, Australian Opals legend. She's just come out of retirement. I think she's about 41 years old. She's... (laughs) in the form of her life, shape of her life. Lauren Jackson, welcome to the show for the 100th episode. It's an absolute honour and a pleasure to have you on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> now, Lauren, I want to quickly, before we get into, you know, a bit of your career World Cup, I want to get into your childhood and what was sort of growing up like for you? I mean, you were a very multi-sort of sport athlete.
1: Oh, uh, look, I, I was pretty um, coordinated, you know, as a kid. So I, I loved picking up at a racket and, you know, um, hitting a ball. I loved... Um, anything involving a ball, you know, and, and my hands, I was pretty good at. So, um, you know, and then basketball sort of became everything to me pretty early on, and and so I had to sort of make a choice once I got to a, a certain level.
0: So, what age and how did you make that decision to you know go with basketball?
1: Well, both of my pa- parents both represented Australia, so in yeah. basketball, so sort of I've been around basketball my whole life. Um, but I think when I got selected into an intensive training program in New South Wales, um, that's when I, I had to make the choice and I think I was about 11 or 12 years old.
0: Yeah, wow. What was that like growing up around your parents? So obviously you mentioned representing Australia around that whole kind of feel.
1: Well, you know, I my mum, because we're from Albury, so my mum and my dad were very tall and, you know, a lot of people knew my mum or who she was and everything, especially, you know, at the stadium. So. I felt, you know, pretty special as a kid. I felt like I had a pretty awesome mum and dad. And, um, you know, I think also being so tall myself, um, it helped me with that sort of aspect of being young. But, look, the sport and just being in an environment um, with people who are in teams and, like, learning about friendships and things like that, um, that's something that I really valued and I hope my kids get to experience that as well.
0: So what was the school aspect of sort of young life like for you? School? Yep.
1: Ah, school. Um, look, school was hard because I wasn't a great student. Um, and I think the fact that I wasn't very studious and I didn't study very much and I just wanted to play sport all the time, it didn't really help. Um, and then too, you know, I was a little bit of an outcast. I was super tall and... um. Yeah, it was it wasn't a fun time really for me, but um, you know, I was really lucky that I had sport and you know, after tr- after school I'd be able to go to basketball stadiums and on the weekend I'd go away on tournaments and things like that. So um, you know, school's hard for all kids. You know, it's that prime of their lives and and they're sort of learning um different ways of being and maturing and and it's hormones and things like that. So school is it's a really a tough time, you know, for every kid and you've just got to get through it, you know, because it gets better after.
0: So then obviously you represent Australia in the under-20s, at the under-20 World Championships, at the age of 14, by the way, and then also leading New South Wales to, you know, a number of state championships and national championships um, throughout your junior career. So how did you get that first opportunity um, with Australia in that under-20 side?
1: Well, I, I got invited to a camp when I was 13, so I went to my first camp and I was actually turning 14 that weekend and um, I, I just went and I trained, I think I was injured for probably the last two days, but I got the call up anyway, they um, said, you're in, you get to go to America and that was my first trip overseas and and that was it, I was pretty much on um, that squad until World Championships in 97 and then... Um, I think I was put into the Australian senior squad uh, also at the beginning of 97. So, yeah.
0: So can you take me through those 97 world championships? I mean, I'm pretty sure they're in Germany. You know, you've got someone like a Robin Maher on your team alongside Michelle Timms. What's it like to play with some of those girls? Uh, So
1: that was 98. That was with the senior team. Um, And, yeah, look, uh, I was – mind-boggling um, you know playing alongside those legends. Um, so Timsey and Rob that that was just incredible. Um, you know I was so young and I was so scared but they were it was just amazing being around them and I had to grow up pretty quickly. I had to sort of learn the ropes pretty quickly but um, it was just a, a great environment to be in Tomar uh, you know I sort of I've said before he's one of the best coaches I've ever had. You know, at that time, at that time in my life, I needed someone who was tough and, you know, really driven, and who would drive me as well. And he was a great coach. And, um, you know, Timsey, I admired her my whole life. So to be able to play alongside her was very, very special.
0: Yeah, yeah. So can you take me through what it's like? I mean, how did your game progress? At as a sixteen-year-old, you're coming in, playing with all these. Australian legends as you are obviously now an Australian Open's legend um in the Hall of Fame. But what's that like? How how did your great game progress since you came into that senior squad?
1: Well, like I said, I had to grow up pretty quickly. You know, I was a bit of a, a mummy's kid, mummy's girl growing up. I, I you know, I used to get very anxious being away from home and being away from my mum. So and then, you know, once I was on the senior squad, it was very difficult to sort of I guess I, I really had to grow up super quick. And, um, you know, being on court was one thing. I, I love being out on court and I'd been, I'd had a lot of coaches who were pretty tough, you know, through my junior. So I sort of expected that, um, you know, Tommy would be pretty tough on me. But I think, like I said before, that's exactly what I needed to sort of push me um, on the court at that point in my career. And um, look, I think he's sort of, philosophy rubbed off on me in terms of training and um god i mean there's things that he used to say to me that i still say to myself in individual training sessions now like shoot it straight or wow. you know things like that yeah, so yeah, yeah. he um he had a very big impact on me as a player um but i think my teammates you know rachel spawn shelly gorman uh, sandy brondello Uh, Trish Fallon they were all just so kind and lovely to me and they treated me so well and it was um, really beautiful to be in an environment that was so welcoming to me as a kid and um, yeah it was super special. So you got a scholarship
0: to go to the AIS um, in Canberra can you tell me about that opportunity for you and what's it like what it was like to have your sort of I guess first professional contract?
1: Well, the AIS, it's where kids sort of go to, you know, progress their game and at that point in time the AIS was in the WNBL, so the Women's National Basketball League. Um, And historically the AIS hadn't done really well because it was a development program obviously for these kids to get some um, games against adult women and to progress their skill level. So we, um, you know, the first year we were there, we were getting beaten by 40, 50 points, you know, every game. It was, you know, it was hard. Tough, but, tough. Um, you know, by the end of the our time at the AIS, we ended up winning the championship, a bunch of 17, 18-year-old girls. We won the championship, the Women's National Basketball League Championship, and that was um, – That was, I don't think it'll ever be done again. It was just such a special time for for us as kids. But then what we were able to do um, with the national team moving forward. So you're talking about a core of, you know, Penny Taylor, Susie Bakovic, Kristen Veal, Belinda Snell, like some of the greatest names in the sport. Um, We're all in that AIS squad. So... It was um, a very competitive environment to be in, and also um, we were young. We were really, really young, just leaving home and and trying to sort of learn um, our ways outside of you know outside of the parents' little nest. So it was a really special time. And then a lot of us after that went on to WNBL clubs to play professionally or WNBA.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So then you to obviously went and played with the Canberra Capitals then getting drafted, I think it was around number one pick in the 2001 WNBA draft, or was that like sort of being being your name, I guess hearing your name called out over the speaker, you know, number one pick? Yes, the Seattle Storm select Lauren Jackson from Australia.
1: Well, um, I was pretty naive back then. I didn't realise how big of a deal it actually was. So, um, you know, looking back on it, I wish I sort of understood how – very special it was but i didn't i sort of just took everything in my stride when i was when i was younger and um yeah it was looking back on it it was very special my mom was with me which was great we were in new york together when that happened and then you know we flew over to seattle um the following day to meet everyone in seattle and um yeah it was a really exciting time i was very scared i i didn't know what i was in for really um but you know it was just like everything in my career everything happened i was I was scared, but I just put one foot in front of the other and, you know, took it on the chin, so to speak.
0: So what was that first day at Seattle like?
1: The first day of my training camp was an eye-opener. I remember stepping foot on the court and um, our coach, Lynn Dunn, said she had this drill, this one drill, and it was like there was no out-of-bounds, there was no foul calls, there was no calls whatsoever. You You just had to get the ball in the basket. And you can imagine at that point like there's you know I don't know there might have been like 20 people in the squad vying for a WNBA spot with Seattle and I mean it was rough like people were throwing punches doing anything to get the ball you know it was and that was my that was that was my welcome into the into the big league um but yeah you know like it's, it's such a great league to be a part of and I think um people would do anything to, you know, get on a squad and get on a roster and play in that league. So that was very eye-opening those first few weeks. Um, I tried not to go back to training camp too much more after that. I was, I was <laughs> a bit <later. laughs> Um But, look, it was, yeah, it was a really exciting time, that's for sure.
0: So what about your debut game? I mean, you sort of immediately had an impact to that Seattle Storm team um, and not only that but the whole WNBA league um that season, Can you take me through your debut year and, you know, all the atmosphere um, surrounding the WNBA and you get that feel and sort of life of what it's like to be one of those NBA players like a Michael Jordan or Scotty Pippen or something like that?
1: Well, it was a little bit different to that. I mean, for me, I was coming into a, a fairly new franchise. So the team had only won like, I think, 10 games the year before or six games maybe, and then we won 10 games my first year. Um, I can't really remember too much about it, to be honest. It was a long time ago, but, um, I do remember just the excitement and the anticipation. And I think after the 2000 Olympics, I sort of went over there with a bit of a chip on my shoulder. I knew it was going to be tough. I knew that, um, I felt like people were going to be gunning for me. They weren't, but I felt like they were going to be. So I definitely had a bit of a chip on my shoulder. I got a lot of technical fails, but I felt like I had to sort of you know I guess have a bit of a toughness about me to get through and and that's what I did so I I went out there and I just played my heart out and then um you know I'd get back to my apartment and call my mom and break down in tears probably but like it it was that's just how it was and I was a kid you know I was only 19 years old so it was um it was a learning experience that's for sure but it got better and like to be honest the WNBA in America was just such an incredible time in my career that I um I'm just really lucky I had the opportunity to go over there and play.
0: Now I've heard from a lot of different people. You were sort of renowned um, and known for, you know, a bit of your trash talk um, <laughs> on court um, throughout your career in the WNBA. Can you tell me about your mindset and how you approach games? Obviously, you explained a little bit about it before. Can you elaborate on that a bit?
1: Oh look, I, I do I do talk a bit of trash. There's no doubt about I still do to this day. Like I go and train NBL1 and I talk trash to my teammates because I can't help myself. It's just yeah. something that happens on the court. But it's not bad. Like it's not yeah.
0: it's, it's sort healthy. Of like, come on, you can't
1: me. You can't guard me. It's not me, you know, having a crack at anyone or anything. Um, but look, I think like I said, when I first went over to the WNBA, um I was very immature, there's no doubt. Um and I I really felt like I had to have a chip on my shoulder because I, like, I did think that people were gunning for me. So my mentality was not to let anybody see fear. And I think, like, I did the 180 on that and I, I came out and I think people thought I was angry, but I wasn't. It was just me, like, trying to protect myself. So I think that was my mindset. And then, um, you know, after a few years and, like I said, I, I had the time of my life over there. I made some friends, um, developed some relationships with people and, Things change, you know. You just get to know people over there, and it was different. It became more of a sisterhood, and I did. I felt very um, safe in my surroundings, and and I got used to it. And um, yeah, it was. That's sort of how it was.
0: Can you tell me how you about how you earned the respect over there in America? I mean, there's a lot of different people. Sometimes I know back in the day with Aussies, Andrew Gaze had to try and earn his respect. One of your friends, and I've also had him on the podcast um, on the show. About how you know he really had to earn his respect in the, in the um, Spurs team. Shane Heal over in the NBA earned his respect. Luke Longley has to earn respect along. Michael Jordan as everyone has to. You know. So how did what was your experience of that like?
1: My experience was yeah yeah absolutely have to earn the respect and a lot of that is you know the respect of your teammates is training hard. It's, um, you know, every single practice is bringing it. You know, you've got to have that mindset of, you know, I'm going to get better today. I'm going to give it everything I've got. And um, I think, you know, when you earn the respect and the trust of your teammates, then things become a little bit easier in the team dynamic. But, you know, earning respect is a very big thing and it, it comes with consistency. It comes over a period of time. It just doesn't happen overnight. So that's something that, like I said, for me, i um, I knew that it was going to take a lot to earn respect over there. So I, I sort of felt like I had to take on a different persona, you know, yeah. and that the one with the chip on my shoulder, I wasn't going to let anybody walk all over me. And, um, you know, and that ended up being who I was as an athlete, really, that to this day, it's sort of who I who I am. Even when I go out there now, 41 years old, yeah. I, you know, that's how I carry myself. So. Yeah. Can you take
0: me through the championship, your first WNBA championship experience in 2008? And how do you compare that to your your first WNBL experience? I I mean, you've got a a lot more experience um, as a professional basketballer. You're only, as you mentioned, 17, 18 years old, 19 years old with your first championship. How do you compare those two experiences?
1: Well, our first WNBA championship was actually in 2004. Sorry, that's right. No, that's all right. Um, and I was, I think, about 23. Um, we just played at the Athens Olympics, and um, yeah, came back. I actually, my beautiful dear grandmother passed away during that period. So, I mum, mum and dad came over to the Olympics and told me that my grandmother was about to pass, and sort of gave me the opportunity to get home and say goodbye to her before she did. And she ended up dying um, on the eve of our first semi-final, which was. Yeah oh yeah it was you know I've spent a lot of time with my grandmother growing up and she was just such a dear you know like even to this day I still get tears talking about it she's so beautiful um so that was really full-on actually and um but the experience of the finals was fantastic I mean we had sold out crowds and Oh God, it was so loud in the venues that it was just it was like jets taking off and like it was it was crazy. Um oh, truly I can't believe like I, I can't remember a lot of the stuff that happened. Um it's still like listening to people talk about it. I'm like, oh my God, I don't even remember that happening. So um we played Connecticut in the finals and it was a three game series and we came out on in game three and, and we won, which was yeah, remarkable and, and very special.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what's that like when you get that NBA championship, obviously, you might have a parade afterwards, a couple of days afterwards, um, in your hometown, um, in Seattle, for the Seattle Storm, obviously, and you see everyone holding up, whether or not they held up banners for you. I mean, I spoke with Michelle Tim. she goes, you get off the plane and you see everyone holding up banners for you and say, go Timsey or go Lauren or... Things like that. How surreal was that for you in that moment?
1: Look, that I mean, that's the sort of that's what it was like all the time when we landed in Seattle. We'd get to the Seattle airport and we had fans at the state at the airport waiting for us to come up the escalators every single away game. So we had that support from the fans all the time, which was really really special. Um, But yeah, during you know playoffs and when we won the championship, it obviously it was tenfold. We had you know hundreds if not thousands of people like doing that stuff which was really it was amazing but i, I truly think that seattle has the best fans in the league and timsy might disagree with me cuz i know that she's a phoenix woman and and they have great fans very passionate fans there okay. as well but um you know from my experience and and what i've witnessed in seattle and what i still witness to this day like the people in seattle just embrace the team and um have for many many years
0: so can you tell me about you've been like in over five w, uh, WNBA All-Star games. Can you tell me about what that's like to be, you know, known as one of the best players um, in the WNBA and what that's like on court to be part of that game?
1: Gosh, the All-Star games were always a little bit weird to me, like because you didn't go out there to, you know, you're not going out there to play, to your, heart, play your heart. play hard out, yeah. You're just sort of going out there to, fun. you know, yeah. hopefully knock down a few threes, you know, do some you don't play defence, Yeah. you know, chances are we'd been sort of out having, you know, partying a little bit the night before and it's like it wasn't, it was always hard for me. I didn't know how I was supposed to act. So um, all-star events were always just really, they messed with me a little bit. Um, But I'm (laughs) I'm the sort of person that I like quiet, I like calm and I am, you know, a bit of a, I've got a routine that I stick to. So All-star games weren't part of my routine, let me just say that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what's your sort of pre-game routine?
1: Well, I like to get ready about about an hour before a game. Um, My routine has changed a lot now since I've had kids because my children are here with me. So it's actually more about getting them ready than it is me. I used to wear a lot of makeup when I played. I don't wear so much makeup anymore. Um, Things have definitely changed. When you have children, um, your priorities change and your perspective definitely changes and yeah, that, I don't really have routine for me anymore. It's more about yeah. getting them yeah. ready and out the door.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I want to touch on your Olympics before we get to speaking a little bit about this World Cup. I know you've got things to do. You've got a busy schedule today. Um, can you tell me about that 2000 Olympics for you? It's your first Olympics. You win Australia's second-ever medal in an Olympic Games alongside superstars like Robin Marron. Unfortunately, Michelle Timms was out for that Olympics. What's it like to represent your country on home soil?
1: I think Timsey, no, Timsey was in. I think Robert just retired. Yeah, sorry, um, yeah,
0: Robin just retired. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it was that was incredible. Um, that was just such a, a beautiful moment in my career. Both, you know, my grandparents were there. Both my grandmothers at that point in time, so they got to see me play. Um, my parents were there. All my dad's side of the family comes from Sydney, so I actually in Western Sydney, so Bankstown, and I we were right there. So I actually felt like I was really at home. Um, I'd watched Sydney Olympic Park go up because my dad was working in the, like he worked in waterproofing concrete and he, they were working on the stadium. So yeah. Yeah. i um been there and like watched the whole thing. And, you know, it was a dream to get there from when I was a little kid. So when that happened, it was like, Oh my God, it, it came around so quickly and you know, I, for five years, I think I've been sort of trying to get there. So it was a really special time, great Olympics, so much fun. And, um, yeah, just so proud of Australia and Sydney for what they did. And then, yeah, it's uh, looking back, it's one of my fondest memories for sure.
0: So what does it mean to represent your country to you?
1: It means the world, you know. Like I think that that's the environment that I grew up in. You know, I always wanted to play for Australia. I wanted to be like my mother. Um, I had her tracksuit cut down for me when I was a baby so that I could wear it. Every day. So, um, you know, I basketball was always my thing. Um and then, yeah, representing Australia was always the most important thing. So it was – it meant a lot. It meant the world, yeah.
0: So can you tell me about 2012, those Commonwealth Games in, in London, what they were like for you?
1: The Olympic Games in London?
0: Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, bleh, what am I talking about? Commonwealth Games, Olympic Games in London. Because I, I, I know I've heard stories from Brendan Joyce, um, former Opals coach, who he's been excited a couple of times, you know, about um, – having you for World Cups and things like that, having you in the squad, and then you go down, unfortunately, with an injury. So what's that like and for you to be a part of the 2012 London Olympics?
1: Uh, London was really special. I got the call-up to be the flag-bearer for that. So that was – and, again, blew me away. I never anticipated or expected that that would ever be the case for me. Um, so shout-out to Nick Green. That was – just an incredible moment for me. Um, and London was awesome. And a lot of people sort of say, well, it was the worst, you know, in terms of what you medalled. It was, wasn't the best Olympics. And it was like, well, we didn't lose the gold medal. We won yeah. the bronze. And yeah. that was awesome, finishing on a win and getting a medal. And, you know, because silver, it's hard to get. You lose, you know, you have to lose to get the silver. But, yeah, we won the bronze. And um, it was, I had a great time. It was such a great time in London. And, um, yeah, it was just fun great atmosphere great people um yeah it was it was brilliant
0: so how do you walk off the court when you get a silver medal Lauren I mean do you walk off with your head up high that you've got silver or um how do you compare that to when you get bronze where you walk off the court on a high with a win
1: in Sydney we were, I mean look we got beaten pretty badly by America um but we were happy we got a silver it's the first time Australia ever got a silver medal um Athens we were closer. We got a lot closer to America, but we still got silver. wasn't We weren't shattered, though. But, I mean, you still want to win gold. You always want to win gold. But Beijing shattered me. Beijing was a really hard Olympics for me, and I didn't get over that for a long time. Um, that was, yeah, that was a, a really hard one, getting the, getting the silver there. But I think you'll learn from those experiences, too, and you sort of come out better and... You know, by 2012, I'd recovered and <laughs> I was ready to go again.
0: How do you get past, I mean, you've got a couple of um, injuries over your career. How do you get past season back up to your best on the world stage?
1: Well, you know, it was easier when I was younger because your body recovers quicker. But as you get older, the injuries definitely, uh, they're a little bit harder to recover from. And, you know, depending on the severity of them, you know, it's, it's hard. I had my last injury was the end of my career cut my career very short and um, at the time I wasn't ready for it but after I had consecutive surgeries and things like that and um, and I couldn't make it back so it was a couple of years I was really you know struggling to you know get back into training and then I'd re-injure it and it was just a really bad cycle um, and then I retired so I mean really I don't have a lot of experience bouncing back from bad injuries um, I've had injuries but I've been able to get back from them um, pretty pretty quickly over the years.
0: So can you tell me about when you get not only named as a Hall of Famer in Basketball Australia but also the Naismith, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame and then you get elevated as, uh, you know, Australian Basketball Hall of Fame legend similar to, you know, what Andrew Gaze did this year? I'm
1: not a legend yet. I'm not a legend. Oh, um, we'll
0: get, we will better get your name up there then.
1: Uh, I think that it'll take a little bit of time, but Drew is definitely a legend in my eyes. Um in everyone's eyes. Um, Look, the Naismith Hall of Fame is, you know, remarkable. Again, another dream come true. You sort of watch the people that have been inducted over the years. And again, being an Australian, a woman, I didn't think that that was on the cards for me. Um, So it it was very, very special when I got the phone call. And um, yeah, sad that I couldn't go over there and really you know, celebrate it with everyone um, because of COVID, but I got to celebrate it here with my kids and my parents and stuff. And um, it was, yeah, incredible. So it, that was lovely. And then, you know, obviously being able to celebrate here with Basketball Australia on the induction here was has been great too. Um, every time we have these Hall of Fame events, it's just so awesome getting together with all the old basketballers and being able to share stories and have a few drinks and just... Yeah, just enjoy it. You know, we've all had such great careers in the sport and the sport's done so much for us all personally that um, it's great just to be able to celebrate it.
0: Laura, I just want to quickly ask you a couple of quick questions um, before you go about your comeback. So how did you make that retirement to um, to come back out of retirement? It was I mean, obviously it was, you know, for your kids to see you play at the, at the highest level.
1: Yeah, look, um, it, for me, like initially it was just about getting fit again. You know, um, to be able to go and play with the kids and shoot with them and and just sort of drop some kilos. And then I, so I started training with a local coach here, and um, and then he sort of said, "Would you consider playing NBL one?" And I said, "Yeah, sure," but not thinking that I would. Um, mm-hmm. and then I signed, and then still not thinking that I'd even make it back on the court. Um, I did. It's weird, like it's just happened, and it's funny that my body sort of said, right. You can play for a little while if you want to. Yeah. Um, but it's been a lot of hard work, just a lot of – I've been in the gym a lot, like a lot of lifting weights. I had to try and get my body as strong as possible to, you know, cover for all the injuries that I've had in my knees and things like that. So I'm I'm pretty strong. I'm probably stronger than I've ever been. Um, so that's, that's the thing at the moment that I think is keeping me on the court.
0: So can you tell me about that decision, and obviously you were a part of that, to – be named in, you know, the, the overall squad for this World Cup in Sydney this year.
1: About that. Um, look, again, it was it's people have been talking about it. Um, you know, and, and obviously it's been in the back of my mind, but again, the reality the reality and the possibility that it would actually happen was so minute. Um so the fact that I've even got this far, it's, again, it's blowing my mind. Like mm-hmm. I i don't feel like a professional athlete. I feel like a, a mum. You know, I'm cooking my kids' dinner right now, getting ready yeah. for dinner. Yeah. So it's not like it doesn't feel like it used to. It feels very surreal and I feel like I'm on borrowed time a little bit, um, but I'm going to ride it as long as it goes and see how far it can take me. Because, um, you know, you never know when an injury might happen and it's all over for me. So... I'm just going to enjoy what I've got right now, and we'll see how far it takes me.
0: So, if you if you did play in this World Cup in Sydney, what are you most looking forward to about this experience? Even if you don't play, about watching those girls.
1: Oh, look! I'm just looking forward to seeing all the old opals, and again, like it's that the friendships and the celebration, and being able to really enjoy. Um, the success of the Opals and the history and, and also the, the success that they will have. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to be able to get back on the podium. They're an incredible group of girls. They're very resilient and um, they're very talented. So it's – I'm just looking forward to seeing them dominate and play well, you know.
0: Yeah, Lauren, just one last question before you go. What's your best advice to anyone uh, who wants to be a professional basketballer and be successful like yourself?
1: bit of advice is just to make sure you have fun like enjoy it you've got to have fun at every stage um and you've got to work hard so lots of shots got to put lots of shots up lots of repetition
0: have we got have we got junior jacksons coming through soon
1: we do i've got a little boy who's in aussie hoops now and he's loving it he absolutely loves the sport and you know he's always got a ball in his hands too so and my three-year-old is He's going to be a big guy, so it'll be interesting to see how tall he gets. But, yeah, we've got a couple of little Jacksons, you know, winding up for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Are they there with you right now?
1: No, they're over with their grandparents. I've got to go get them and get them fed.
0: (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Thanks so much, Lauren, for coming on the show for the 100th episode today. Um, You know, putting aside some of your time out of your extremely uh, busy schedule to come and have a chat. It's been an absolute honour and a pleasure to have you on.
1: All right, mate. Good on you. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Lauren. Stay tuned, everyone, for more Sporting Max.
1: This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on
0: SEN.